Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. I would like to, I would like to give you a picture of the Old Testament as a way of introduction as we are continuing our journey on the finger of God, the power of God, the, the idea of deliverance and, and rescue, which by the way is, is part of our promises of salvation. The word salvation literally means to deliver, to rescue. It has all kinds of benefits and promises that are connected to it. But I, I want you to see this picture in the Old Testament of God delivering the children of Israel from Egypt. God delivering the children of Israel from Egypt and and bringing them out, Egypt being a type of the world, bringing them out of Egypt and, and into the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land. That was, that was God's plan. By the way, that's why you have the issues you have right now in the Middle East is that God said to a people, I'm going to have a covenant with you, and I'm going to give you land. You want? See, you and I don't understand. You're like, you know, I'm, the, I'm not connected to Canada. I'm not really connected to land, and even you come from other countries, but but you don't understand. In the Middle East, people are connected to land because it's connected to God, and it's connected to faith. Amen. Now, God brings them out like he's brought you out because each and every one of you came out of that spiritual Egypt, which, which represents bondage and represents difficulty, and, and you were under taskmasters. And, and in Egypt, that type of the world, your, your father was Pharaoh. Pharaoh was your father until God comes and he delivers you and he calls you out by name. And, and there is a transfer that occurs from kingdom of darkness to kingdom of light. And now instead of Pharaoh being your master, God becomes your master. And so we don't serve Pharaoh, we serve father. We serve father. And you know the story that they came out with goods. They they came out with freedom. They came out with silver and gold. And, And as a matter of fact, God caused them to be paid, back paid, Occurred, you know, the, the accounts were occurred 400 years that they had been in slavery and they had been in bondage. And, and so Pharaoh is a type of what we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about the strong man. Everybody say the strong man. Pharaoh is a strong man. I'm going to show you that from the word of God. But I don't want to leave you at this. I want to talk to you about the because in order to defeat the strong man, you need a stronger man. Being God showed up, and, and when there was a confrontation, God our Father defeated him. And so I want us to look in our Bibles as we stand this morning for the reading of God's Word. First of all, I want you to go to Matthew 12 and 22. Matthew 12 and 22, because there was a controversy about... Beelzebub. There was a controversy about the demonic realm because when when Jesus began his ministry, he began to cast out demons. He began to cast out the strong man from people's lives. And in verse 22, it says, Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and the mute 
man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Now, you know that the son of David, of course, is Messiah. Now, when the Pharisees, the aristocrats of the day, the higher ups, both very religious, politically connected, they got a lot of stuff going on. When they heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. Or, or listen, Beelzebub was a Philistine god who was connected to Baal that ultimately also became known as the chief of demons or Satan. In other words, what they're saying of our Lord is he's connected to the chief demon. That's why these little demons, if you will, listen to him. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. This is why the devil loves division. He divides families, he divides households, he divides ministries, he divides churches, he divides organization. He loves division, God loves unity. And Jesus said this, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Because they were also doing, you know, spiritual warfare if you will, he says, therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the spirit of God or by the finger of God, then surely the kingdom of God or the rule or the reign of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter? Listen, catch this. How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he, everybody say first. See, sir, there's an order here. The Lord says, first you have to bind the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. First you have to bind the strong man. So the strong man is demonic. The strong man is Satan. But here's what Jesus is saying. A stronger man has come who binds him, and then not only binds him, he plunders the house. That's why I gave you the picture of Pharaoh. Hmm? God bound Pharaoh. But the people plundered the house. And he says, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. One of the ways you, you people say, have I, have I blasphemed? Have I blasphemed the, the Holy Spirit? Let me give you the definition in context of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is this. It is, it is taking the work of God and calling it Satan. That's blasphemy. You ever want to know, did I blaspheme? It is taking the work of God, particularly the casting out of demons and calling it Satan. And then in Galatians 5.1, Paul says this, stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is alive. It is, it is active. It is operating even now beyond our ability even to communicate your spirit moving, setting people free. Spirit, soul, body, we thank you for your word. And all God's people said, amen, you may be, uh, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, I want you to understand first and foremost that it is God's desire 
It is the Father's desire to deliver you from Pharaoh, to deliver you from Egypt. That's why when we talk about being born again, not being religious, but being born again and in a relationship with God is literally that we have responded to the voice of the Spirit of God. We've become born of the seed of God because God wants us to be free. He wants us to be liberated from every strong man that is operating in our lives. Now, when you, when you look at this passage, the, the house, the word the house has actually a dual meaning, the house being the world. In other words, Jesus came into the world. He came into the house where Satan had taken possession because he had taken it from Adam. The house belonged to Adam. Now watch this. The house being the world, God owns the world. He gave stewardship to Adam. Adam lost it to Satan. And until Jesus came, on the fourth day or four or, or four thousand years into history until Jesus came Satan understood hey the house belongs to me because Adam gave it to me I deceived Eve Eve you know put pressure on her husband and now I I have control over the house that's why he's called the God of this world until Jesus comes and Jesus now has to plunder the house he he needs to take back the the treasures that belong to God and the greatest treasure that belongs to God are people because people are, are first and foremost in the heart of God and so he comes into the house being the world but watch this you and I are a house you and I are a house, and, and before we come to Jesus, there is a strong man that rules our house, but Jesus come, he binds the strong man, and he begins to plunder his goods, and guess what he does? He sets people free. Why does he do this? Why, why does God set people free? Because God wants you to serve him. God wants you to worship him. That's what the message that he gave to Moses. He said, Moses, you go tell Pharaoh to let my people go so that they will worship me in the wilderness, so that they will serve me. My friends, your entire life is meant to be free so that you can serve and worship God. Somebody ought to give God praise for that. Because when I'm free, I have peace. Yeah. When, when, I, when I'm free, I have joy. I, I am not constantly tormented. I'm not constantly attacked. I, I, I don't have these mental health issues and, and these issues of the soul that, that are bombarding me. No, God sets me free so that I will have joy and that I will have joy in serving him. That he gives us John 10, 10. He said, I, I have come that they might have life and that they may, may have it what? More abundantly. God has come to give you quality of life. That's why he died. Not, not, not just, I understand we go to eternity and, 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 and we live you know, with the Lord forever. But even in this life, the Lord says there's a quality of life that I have died to give you. I call it the abundant life. That what the devil stole from you, what, what the strong man stole from you, the, 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 the stripes on your back from the taskmaster. How many know that when you were serving the devil, the devil's hard on you? The devil has no mercy, he has no pity. He will, you, you know, you think you're in warfare now. I want you to remember your life before and what it was like to serve the devil, what it was like to serve the, the strong men of rejection and fear and, and poverty. 
I know what it's like to have the strong man of fear in my life. And, and you know what's amazing there? There, there, was a, there was a time of, of all the times in my life when I started high school where this spirit of fear just came into my life and tormented me. And there was a pattern about, about 10.30 every single day. 10.30 every day. I would get sick in my class and all of a sudden I have to go down to the office. Eventually they would send me home. I lost an entire year of education because I was paralyzed by the strong man of fear, not knowing Jesus, not knowing salvation. By the way, this is partly what led my, my family into that spiritual corruption and, and all that witchcraft area of life because they were, they were looking for answers for their son and, and they couldn't find any answers. But my friends, at the age of 19, when all of a sudden the stronger man came into my life and the Bible says that love casts out every fear, <laughs> delivered me. It changed my mindset and no longer now am I subject to fear. And here's, here's what's phenomenal because all my life there always was this, this struggle, this pushback, this adversity with school. Little did I know that my future and my destiny would actually be connected to education. Can you imagine today? training and developing leaders of the gospel of Jesus Christ every week, every week in where? A school, in the very territory that the enemy tormented my life in was where the reality of God wanted to show itself. That ought to be a clue for some of you. God doesn't want you living under the strong man. God doesn't want you living under the taskmasters. He, he doesn't want you living under Pharaoh where, where he brutalizes you and he bullies you on, on a daily basis and he commands you what to do and, and you have to do his bidding. God says, no, when I call you out, I call you out and in a process of bringing you into the promised land so you can serve me, so you can worship me. But let me give you a paradox let me give you the conundrum, if you will, of serving God that people don't understand. What people don't understand is that when we come out of Egypt, God puts restrictions on us, not to punish us, but actually to keep us free. Hello, somebody? And people say, oh, I don't, I don't want to live under these, I don't want to live under these restrictions. I don't want to live under these limitations. I, I don't want to live under these rules. Yes, because those rules are there to keep you safe. Those rules are there to keep you free. God says, I know what will keep you free. And if you don't follow my limitations, you're actually going to fall for bondage. See, the devil's trick is this. He says to you, you get to do anything you want. But you know what happens? It leads to bondage. God says, I don't want you to do everything you want because I actually want you to be free. I actually want you to be liberated. But you see, you see, my friends, when we go back to the Garden of Eden, it's always that, it's always that fruit, you know. By the way, don't let Hollywood trick you. The Bible doesn't say it was an apple. The apple. It's ridiculous. I think that's where they... I don't know, maybe that's where Apple got its name. I have no idea, but it's not an apple. It's the fruit that, that the enemy always puts before you. And the enemy says this, this is the thing. This is the thing. Remember that it was pleasing to the eye. It, it looked good. It probably tasted amazing. And, 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 and the devil's trick is always this. This is the thing that God doesn't want you to have. 
This is the thing that God is holding back from you. This is the thing that would satisfy your life and, and bring you the joy of your life. This is the thing that, that your God, who is mean and nasty and restrictive, this is the thing that he wants to hold back from you. And, and when you fall for it, it leads to death. When you fall for it, it leads to bondage. If we're honest... If we're honest, we know that when we fall into temptation, when we fall into sin, oh, at the moment, at the moment, you know, I'm not even going to lie to you, the, the euphoria of it, the, the ecstasy of it, all the emotions and the feelings, but, but then when that wears off, all the grief and the hell that come into our life and, and how, how sick we feel, literally how sick we feel in our soul because that's the backlash of sin. Sin gives you that moment of euphoria, but then it gives you all this negativity and toxic things that go on. And then, then we repent and we get over it. And then all of a sudden we, we fall back and the enemy comes and says, here, here's the fruit. Here's what God doesn't want you to have. And we fall for it. And you know what we create? We create a pattern. We create a pattern of life of up and down, sinning, repenting. Huh? victory and failure and, and this pattern this pattern begins to get hold of us and, and you know what the Bible calls this pattern a stronghold a stronghold begins to form in your life a a way of behavior begins to form in your life and, and these strongholds take place and then when you have a stronghold ultimately a strong man will come to rule the stronghold which is by the way it's, it's an area of your mind and, and really it's what, what would be in, in the Old Testament a strong tower I want you to think about it a strong tower that would have a strong man on top of the tower and our condition is a disaster until the stronger man comes the stronger man comes to set us free. That when Christ comes, Christ comes as the owner of the house. Yeah. This is why at the cross, he says, I, I'm buying you. We use the word redeem. To redeem is to buy. I, I am buying you. I am purchasing you with my blood. You belong to me. Therefore, you will be free. You will be liberated. Here's what I will do for you because I am buying you. But some of us, church, listen, some of us don't believe in the transaction. Some of us have this idea, well, yeah, Lord, you bought me, but I'm still in charge. Oh, he's preaching now. Lord, you bought me, but I'm still in charge. I, I can still make decisions. I can, I, can still, I can still do with my life what I want. After all, it's, it's my life. It's my house. No, no, no. If you are bought, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to Jesus. Which means now that he's the Lord of your life. You see, we have a lot of people that go, well, Jesus is my Savior which means he, he saves my soul and I'm not going to go to hell. But what they're not saying is Jesus is my Lord. My Lord being the one who is in charge of me. The one, the one who rules the house. And, and let me tell you some church. When, when Jesus is your Lord, the strong man is going to have a difficult time in your life. Because now not only has he got to deal with you, more importantly, he has to deal with the Lord Jesus. And so a few things that I wanted to say to you, number one, is the stronger man lives in you. The stronger man lives in you. The Bible tells us this, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he 
stronger is he, more powerful is he, because some of you come from backgrounds where honestly you're, you're, you're wondering and you're thinking, is Jesus enough? Does Jesus have enough power? Does he have enough ability? Does he have enough strength? And the absolute answer is yes, yes. Yes, the stronger one. The stronger one is in you. There, can I say this way, church? There is not a strong man that is stronger than Christ. There isn't a demon. Come on, give God praise. Not a demon. Not a power. Not a principality. Not anything that is stronger than Christ or stronger than the victory that was won at the cross. This is why the cross is so incredibly important because that's where Jesus said it is finished. That's where he defeated all the strong men, if you will. And of course, the chief one of them being Satan, a strong man living in you. Why? In, in Mark 1 and 7, we read that Jesus came to bind the strong man. We, we read that, that Jesus was manifested that he might destroy, that he might destroy the works of the devil in order to what? Plunder his house and, and take his goods and to deliver people, deliver people from the bondage of hell. My friends, listen, you and I are not made to be in bondage. You and I are made to be free. And this is the beauty of our faith. The beauty of our faith is that it liberates people. It liberates people. Not brings people into bondage. It liberates people so that they are free to serve God. Now watch this. It liberates people to live holy lives. But you see, today we have weird definitions of what freedom is. We have weird definitions of what bondage is. And, and what's good is evil, and what's evil is good, and what's up is down, and what's, what's, everything is upside down. Everything is, everything is haywire and chaotic because the God of this world knows that his time is short, and he's turning people against God, the Bible, and the things of God. But my friends, at the end of the day, we have been made free by the power of Christ. And Peter said this, don't be like a dog that returns to his vomit. I had a dog like this. We lived in Toronto. He was disgusting. He was a big dog. He would, he would eat, and I don't know, maybe it was our fault that we overfed him, but he would eat. His name was Spencer. He would eat to the place where he would vomit, and then I would watch him eat his vomit. And I'm like, you are so disgusting. But, and this is, this is what... This is what he would do, but this is what Peter said. He said, when, when, we have been, when we have been freed and then we return, we're like that dog that has vomited something out. See, in the natural you go, and I would never eat vomit, but in the spiritual you do. Or he said, the, the pig that returns back to the pig pen because the pig loves the mud. Why? Why, why? why does the pig return and why does the dog eat the vomit? Watch this. Not because it's natural, because there is a pattern. And if you are conditioned to a pattern and to behave and to think a certain way, then guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna follow the pattern. This is why church, see if you can catch this. In the Old Testament, there are two types of bondage. 
The bondage of Pharaoh was a physical bondage, right? They told you when to get up, when you go to sleep, how many bricks to make, how to work, etc. It was, it was laborsome. But there was another bondage that came later through Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. That bondage wasn't physical. It was a bondage of the mind. In other words, they said, we're going to take you over. You can live where you want, work where you want. You can do whatever you want to do, but we are going to control your thoughts. We're going to control your thinking according to the Babylonian way. This was the secret, by the way, of Daniel, because watch this, because Daniel was able to live like a Babylonian, but in reality, he thought like a Jew. He still worshiped the God of Israel, even though he was in a Babylonian land. He still honored the God of Israel, even though he was under Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar. You say, Pastor, why is that important? Because many of us say, oh, we're free people. We, we live in a free country. We, we can go and we can do whatever we want. But in reality, through media and social platforms and whatever, your mind is being controlled every day. Every day. You're told what to think and what to believe and how to believe it. And, and now, now we're, 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 it's not even a convincing. Now it's a manipulation. It's an ostracization of people that if, that if you don't go along with the mob, i.e. the vaccine. Remember, remember the vaccine? Do you know how many people lost their jobs? Because of the vaccine, remember, remember every day, every day they would come on and say, this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. This is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. And then people start to get angry at the unvaccinated. They'd call the police if they had too many people at their house and they didn't want family coming over because this is the pandemic of the unvaccinated. But here's the reality. When the hospitals began to get full with vaccinated people, do you notice they stopped giving you the numbers? Because they couldn't justify the narrative any longer. Pastor, what are you, Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is they, they convinced people. They convinced people, watch this, not that the vaccine was an issue, that the unvaccinated were the problem. You're going to die because of those people. And by the way, I just have a question. How come all the unvaccinated haven't died? And another question I have is, how come the vaccinated get more sick than the unvaccinated? Pastor, why do you say these things? Because I want you to think. I want you to ask questions. I want you to research because I told you before, and I'll tell you again, that era in, in our history was the playbook of the end times. That when the mark comes, that's exactly what they're going to do. You're the problem. You're the issue. We got to oppose you. You're not going to be able to work. You're not going to be able to go to the supermarket. You can't buy. You can't sell. You can't call Amazon. If you don't get this mark, you don't fit in. It is exactly how the spirit of Antichrist works. It's the mob mentality. And the mob begins to believe their own nonsense whether they think it's true, whether they know it's true, this is what's happening in our, in our, our universities. You know what the scariest thing is? This, these are the places where the brightest minds are supposed to be. The future is a scary place. If those people are going to become the leaders and the politicians and the judges of the future, we have issues. No wonder Paul said, in the last days, dangerous times shall come. 
The stronger one lives in you. Here's, here's my second point. Number one, the stronger one lives in you. Number two is this. It is folly. It is a mistake to underestimate the strength of your enemy. I want to read for you in, in Matthew 12 and 43. I want to almost watch this passage. This passage almost explains what Jesus says in Matthew happens. He, he says here, he says, when an unclean spirit goes out. So the strong man has come. He takes over the house. The stronger man comes. He binds the stronger man plunders his goods, throws them out, cleans the house. Sound familiar? When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house. Church, I got news for you. The devil returns. Mm, got quiet. The devil comes back. He returns. He says, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And, and when he comes, he, he finds it empty. He finds it swept. He, he finds it in order. And everybody believes, oh, you know, the, the devil, the devil loves chaos. Can I tell you something? The devil loves order first. He loves to bring chaos into the order. He goes, wow, they painted the walls. The house is clean. It's in order. I like it. I like, I like what you did with the place. It's better than when I moved out. Now watch what he does. He goes, I'm moving back in. But then he says this. Then he goes and he takes with him seven. Interesting number. The number of completion. Other spirits more wicked than himself. He, he goes and finds other demons worse than him. And he says, listen, I got this great place. We can live. And it's clean. And it's in order. And it's swept up. And, and you're going to love the place. They put an expansion on it. You're gonna, you're, it's great. And then they enter and they dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Because now, how many demons do you have? You have eight. Seven is the number of completion. Eight is the number of new beginnings. In other words, the new beginning of the man is complete possession. In other words, the, the demons are in total control of the house. Jesus said he's worse off now than he was at the beginning. But why? Well, let's look at what Paul says. Tell me if any of you can relate to Romans 7.19. He says, for the good that I will do, I do not do it. But the evil I will not do that I practice. He said, now if, if I do what I will, will, will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. And then he says this, I find then a law. Everybody say a law. That evil is present with me. Evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Now watch, watch what he's saying. I want to do good, I do the wrong thing. I, I go to do the right thing and I find that evil 
is always present in me. Why? There is a law that is working that even though Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan, he has not been utterly annihilated. He doesn't have the same power. He doesn't have the same authority. As a matter of fact, now the Lord is saying he, he can be bound. He can be cast out. You can, you can actually be on guard. But I want you to see some, some, some understanding of what, the way the enemy works, my friends. Listen, they network. They travel. They communicate. They attack. They declare war. They're tactical. They reason. They make decisions. They fight dirty. And they look for demons that are stronger than themselves. It's a complex system. It is a thoughtful system that works against us. This is why we need the power of God operating in us. And, and, and this is why it has come into my third point. This is why, my friends, we should not underestimate. Now, let me say this. I don't want you to underestimate the enemy, but I don't want you to be fearful of the enemy. Right. Amen. I, don't, I don't want you... I don't, I don't want you, I don't want you becoming timid and intimidated. I, you know, somebody, this is, this happened in Brampton. Somebody showed me this video of, of four guys that come to a house. They come to steal a car. This is in our city. Probably didn't even hear about this in the media. They come to the house with machetes to steal. The, yes, Lord Jesus. Yes. To steal the car. They try to get into the house. They can't get into the house, and so they start, they start breaking the windows of the vehicles, and eventually they, eventually they, they run off. When, when the people of the home call 911, they're put on hold. Now, now, here's the beauty. Here's the beauty of our system. If that man comes out of the house with a weapon, with a gun, with a knife, with a bat, as a matter of fact, the man came out with a bat, if he were to harm one of them, you'd be charged. Because evil prevails. Because evil prevails. I, you know, I come from the retail world and, and um, I have, you know, friends that own businesses. And even, even to this day, when people come in to steal, they are now told, just let them steal it. Don't confront anybody, don't challenge anybody, don't tackle anybody, don't touch anybody. And so the, the enemies get the idea that, oh, we can get away with, with anything. No wonder dangerous times are coming on the face of the earth. Now, you watch a video like that, and how many know that all of a sudden fear can grip you? Because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to terrorize you. The, the enemy is a terrorist. He's a terrorist. Those people that crossed the border of Israel, they weren't there to take over the country because they, they know they can't take over the country. What they are there to do is to terrorize. They are there to say, we can put fear in you. You are not as secure as you think you are. Why am I saying this? Go ahead, Corey. Because that's the way the enemy wants to work in your life. He wants you to believe that I can terrorize you. I, you're not as secure as you think you are. Your, your God is not as strong as you think you are. I can still get to you. You know what the Bible says, though? Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. 
And, 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 and we need to probably come to that place that whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And so here's my, here's my third point, church. My third point is this. Be strong and remain free. That's why Paul said in, in, in Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Are there holes in your armor? Are there, are there doors that are not guarded? Are there windows where the enemy can get in? I found out recently, you know, as the cold comes, apparently the mice are looking for a place. And, and I heard, you know, Kath, we, we had to deal with mice, didn't we, at my mom's place, and a lot of mice. But they, they can get in to places as small as a dime. And when they get in, they just multiply. I think they read the scripture, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> Pastor, what are you saying? You don't need gaping holes for the enemy to get in. You don't, you don't need gaping holes. And, and one of the greatest portals of our day is, is social media. And I'm not saying, because we're on social media, I'm not, I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying it is very, very easy. All kinds of portals, all kinds of open doors, all kinds of places where, where the enemy just wants to just, just grab a foothold in your life, particularly if the house has been made clean. I want to close with this thought. I want to go back to the scripture worship team. Listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to the words. Remember 1243? The last part of 45. You know where he says the last state of the man is worse than the other? Pastor Bo, catch this. Jesus says, so shall it also be with this wicked generation. Do you know what Jesus is calling a wicked generation? People that have been set free and let the devil come back in. I want you to stand with me. You know that my heart is never to condemn anybody. I, maybe you're like, Pastor, I, I, I feel like that dog. I feel like I've returned. I, I feel like that sow that has gone back to the, to the pig pen. The, the message is not to bring you into condemnation. The message is to bring you into liberty. Because the Bible says it was for liberty that Christ set us free. Are, are there limitations that maybe God is putting on your life that maybe he doesn't put on other people's life? 
Huh? Are, 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 you in, are you in social circles and, and, and maybe you see somebody having a little bit of wine and you're like, oh, oh, I, I would like to have a little wine. And the Lord says, no, I'm not you. Somebody actually wrote a book. I think it's called Some Can and You Can't. What, what are the limitations? Oh, oh, pastor, I can do all things. No, no, no. You don't want to do the things that lead you into bondage. Is maybe the Lord honing you in that maybe others aren't honed in on? It's not that he's punishing you. The Lord loves you. And he wants you to be free. Young people, listen to me. The Lord desires you to be free because the enemy, I think gets bonus points, honestly, when he entraps the young people. And these lies of you're free, you're young, you only, you only have one life to live. So if you only have one life to live, why do you want to live it in a wicked way? I never understood that logic. Well, one life to live, I'm going to be wicked. Why? If you have one life, then be holy. I promise you, I promise you by the word of God that liberty will bring more good things to your life than bondage ever will. Father, I declare freedom over every strong man, over every wicked thing. May the people of God know the joy, the peace, and the righteousness that comes with living free lives. In the name of Jesus, we bind every strong man. We bind every strong man. And we plunder his goods in the name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, I love you. God bless you.